have an exercise class going on in here? <laughs> yeah, or? good morning. Yeah, okay. Uh, everybody's getting well, stretched for exercise. He ex- started stretching, so I said, oh, we must have a lot to do. I started stretching, too. Bible exercises. <laughs> That's what we got going on. Yep, it's yep. Bible study time. I follow the leader. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm Mark. I'm Gabe. He's Tom. Hey, good morning. Good Tom morning, Repke. Pastor Tom. Yeah. Pastor Tom Repke Thank is you. back with us from Linden Road Presbyterian. And first time, long time. Yep, up over my... Barberton, right? This is kind of crazy. Yeah. Oh, and welcome. Like our scenery. Yeah, yeah, welcome Mount Barberton now showing right outside our window. I just love what you all are doing here. I it, mean, just the what you've done to the community and taking buildings that were yeah, and now leveraging them for the kingdom and man alive. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, this uh, all these parking lots that have been destroyed are going to be remade so that they can hold enough cars so we can start having events again. There you go. In the event center. We're and that's going to be a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Great yeah, stuff. stuff yeah. Hey, it's Bible study time and it's the book of Ezra. It's, it's kind of that section of the, uh, the Old Testament that people can read too fast. Right. When they're trying to get to Psalms. Right. And technically it's Ezra Nehemiah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, we're, the Jewish, at least our Jewish friends, they, they don't separate that book. Oh, they, okay. I didn't well, know because that. it's the same author, and actually, you're, when you read it, you're supposed to read from First Chronicles through the end of Nehemiah, and oh, to, just go straight through, right? And so, I think part of the reason, even you know, listening to you on the way up, it's just like, what are the verses? Or even yesterday, it's like, where is he taking us? And I think part of the reason is just, you know, we the, the Old Testament is so rich, and I think especially in the season we're we're in, you know coming into a new understanding of faith in terms of faith practice. I mean, with coming out of the lockdown and, you know, what our churches look like. And, mm-hmm. you know, Israel was in a lockdown of some sort, you know, in this story. And so that's, you know, looking to say, how did they they weather it and what, what happened and the reality of just all that's there. So, mm. Okay, so Gabe's question is still applicable. What's that? Where are we going? Yeah, yeah. Well, let, uh, let's start at the beginning. I'm going to just, you know, I like to be the person that doesn't know much. Right. So who is Ezra? Well, I mean, he's, he's, he's yeah. Um, and if you want to put Ezra and Nehemiah together, that's fine. Well, and, it's, and who wrote those, who well, wrote both of those books? Well, actually, probably we, the guy we call the Chronicler. So he wrote First and Second mm. Chronicles as well mm-hmm. as Ezra and Nehemiah. And so Ezra, Ezra plays a role. He's a leader within the community as, as well as Nehemiah. And so the, 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 we look at this in terms of, okay, how did they lead into, because be reminded that, you know, uh, the Israelites have been in Babylon, Babylonian captivity. Oh, the, yeah. I was going to say this, this community that they're leading has been a mess right. for a couple of generations. Right. And, yeah. And, and so, you know, there's actually, and I'm drawing on our good friends at the Bible Project, which I don't know if you've looked at any of their good mm-hmm. stuff, but okay. they have some amazing videos that help you better understand in just a, such a creative way. But to see that there's actually um, sort of three parallel movements that take place in the book of Ezra, uh, as, as, first of all, Ezra 1 through 6, and then there's a second movement uh, of Ezra set, chapter 7 through 10, and then in Nehemiah verses or chapters 1 through 7, and that's you know, they're all happening about the same time. Hmm. And so sometimes I think historically we get lost in realizing, you know, even like when we read the Gospels, you know, we've got to realize that when Jesus is going from one point to another, there's a couple days in there, you know, and so even okay. though we read it as though it's taking place right away, it's like, no, we, and so we need to think about all the things that he did even, you know, when he wasn't being written about, you know, and so hmm. there's those encounters. Um, 
But where I want to sort of take us, and we'll get there in a moment, is this idea that, um, uh, you know, once again, we see uh, the messiness of of God's people trying to figure out life, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And that's, I think, for us, uh, as we try to figure out this next chapter for for the story of us in our current season of what God's doing and realizing, too, that it's not what it was. And so there's a section we'll see here in a moment where – the they rebuild the temple, but it's not the temple that Solomon built, so it isn't quite as ornate. Right. And, and actually, there's a point in, in the scriptures where the, the, the those that had known what the temple looked like actually cry, and, yeah. and they're, they're forlorn because mm. it isn't what it was. And I think for us, you know, so the practical application all through this is, you know, in this current season, you know, what church looked like before COVID, mm-hmm. right? And the season we find ourselves in, and actually, as we've talked many times, you know, the churches were already struggling to you know, be relevant in their communities in a way that would you know, make impact. And so it's all those things wrapped together. So I want to go to um, in chapter three. Um, okay. And let's just sit there for a moment. Um, begins first in the early autumn. So it's about the same time of year that we're in, right? Mm-hmm. When the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. Now, it's it's interesting. Obviously, they've changed, right, because of being in Babylonian captivity. Yes, they have. Uh, but And there's about 42,000 women and children that are talked about in this story that the chronicler lays out to us. Well, I was trying to think, how, how many people is that? Well, Barberton's about 21,000. Something like that. Norton's 11,000. So yeah. to get your mind around the area we're talking about is about, you know, Norton, Barberton, and sort of the neighbors, right? Yeah. Of, of people. And and so they come back to work, starting with the foundation of the temple. Uh, and, and when that was finished, they, they celebrated, but it was, you know, kind of what we would do for a groundbreaking, but mm-hmm. in, in verses 11 through 13. And if you've got that in chapter 3, Gabe, you want to read that? 11 through 13? Of chapter 3. All right. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever towards Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Mm. Yeah, Mm. so lots of excitement, right? But then read verse 12. But many of the priests and Levites and the heads of the fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes, yet many shouted aloud for joy. Yeah, so why why do you think they're crying? Yeah, um, why are they crying? <laughs> well, because the, it, it mentions that it's the, the, at least my version had the older priests, uh, and so they remember what it was. They remember, yeah. Right. So and the foundation, yeah. they're talking Where, about the foundation, is so much different, basically. Right, right. It's basically probably on the same, you know, footers. Yeah. But it's not the ornateness, and it's, mm-hmm. they realize it's not going to be the grandeur of what they experienced. Whereas the Levites who were born in captivity and have moved back, for them, this is like this is the first time. new. Yeah. Right. This is a big deal. Yeah. Boy, never thought about this passage in this way before. Right. And so mm-hmm. when you look at it, um, it gets kind of even more complicated because as they come back, into you know bringing back and and even that idea i mean if you were in captivity 
as long as they were. Uh, this even the idea of continue. It's like you really want to pick up where we left off because when they were taken off into captivity, I mean, everything was taken. I mean, the, they left everything behind. So they, you know, they gathered what they could, and then they were hustled off, in, in, you know, into a land that wasn't theirs. And you know, you just think about you know in our modern day of just you know what it looks like to transition from one country to another. Uh, I mean, in America, we, we try to make things hospitable, right? But yes. but back then, it's like there isn't, you know, a condo that you can sort of, or Airbnb that you could have, uh, you know, taken advantage of. Um, and so it's it's really complicated in terms of what they're coming back to. Yeah. Can, I, I, can I read yeah. uh, verse 13? Sure. Um, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard afar off. So they, I'm just trying to imagine how that would have went. You it wasn't people, sniffling. You got right is weeping. Yeah, yeah. Right? So you've got some people weeping, some people shouting with joy, and everybody's trying to figure out what's right, going right. on. Right, and remember, you're coming back to what land that you had before, but someone else has actually moved into it. Exactly. So it's not exactly like you're being welcomed back either. Mm. And so there's that whole, and and that's part of the story we see here where, uh, because it gets interesting in chapter four, uh, actually, as you look at chapter four here, at least in my scripture, it says opposition to the rebuilding Mm -hmm. all of a sudden. And so when we just think about our role as God's people, you know, that as we lean into who we we are, Mm -hmm. you know, life gets complicated. Mine says enemies try to stop the temple. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Right now, we've got 58 degrees here in Barberton, patchy fog this morning, sunny later in the day. We'll have highs in the mid-70s. Uh, we're having our Bible study time right now with Tom Repke. Uh, he is the pastor at Linden Road Presbyterian, and we're digging into the book of Ezra. Tom, uh, let's keep going, because we've got a picture that is very, very unlike, I think, any other picture we've had in our Bible studies previous. We've got people weeping. We've got people celebrating. And it's the fact that they're weeping and celebrating the very same event. Right. Okay. Let's so, keep going. But I think this is just a great snapshot of just how God's people have fared through history. Yeah. You know, we've mm-hmm. ebbed and flowed. Um, and that part of it is just reminding us. And so, you know, why Ezra? And what I'm just thinking through is I'm going to probably do a series on this here before Christmas is just this idea that in this current season, you know, we've got to rethink some things, right? And to be challenged like like Ezra of old and Nehemiah. Because we, mm-hmm. we tend to, a lot of folks, there's a lot of books, if you go to Amazon and look at leadership books, there's a lot oh. of them that are based on this, yeah. the story of Nehemiah rebuilding the wall, Right. But the question is, why did he have to rebuild the wall? And then even the idea of why was it that the Babylonians came and captured the Israelites? Well, why? 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 Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. why is because God's people weren't faithful. Mm. And so yes. judgment came. And this, you know, this is if you're reading this now after, uh, well, reading it first this morning as we go through it, but then maybe committing it to your study afterwards, maybe in the next couple of days, please note that this is not just an isolated story in the Old Testament. God's people were unfaithful to him over and over mm-hmm. and over again, and this is just the Ezra-Nehemiah 
right. manifestation of that. And yet in the midst of all that, God is continually chasing his Keeps people, chasing us Which down. is like, that makes no sense. Right. And it, it, and it takes us all the way up to, obviously, Jesus becomes the ultimate right. of you know coming and taking on flesh and moving into the neighborhood, as Peterson uses the words, to remind us that it took that, that... You know, so no matter how successful you know um, Ezra and Nehemiah are in rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the walls and re- reestablishing, because if you get to the end of uh, Nehemiah, uh, and it, it's it's complicated <laughs> again yeah. because they they lose <laughs> yeah. sight of it, um, and, and yet this it's you know two thousand four hundred and sixty years since this story was written. Uh, it, it's kind of a fun story to look at, and there's a lot I think we can learn from, especially as we think about. And what I was reminded as I was, I was thinking about this was, I don't know if you ever played video games, Mark, back when um, Gabe. Yeah, I, not a big video game. Like, like back in the day when Pac Man first came oh, yeah. out. Yeah, well, right, okay, right? yes. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when you get to the end after you've done your first game and you've timed out, you get this question, continue, question mark, mm-hmm. and there's a little timer, and you, you can either start. You know, we come back and start all over again and mm-hmm. see if, you, and I think that's sort of the the underlying understanding of what Ezra is trying to to help the people see, is like, okay, do you want to continue in the faithfulness of God? And if so, here's what you're going to have to do. But it's it, you know, it just reminds us that as human beings, the plight is always our messiness. I I like <laughs> I like that example because uh, I was a Pac Man player, okay. yeah. and you know, it was hard. And you had that thing chasing yep. you all the time, right? You know, and you're trying to to beat that game was a challenge, right? Yes. And then when it's over, it's like continue, right? And you got to think, <laughs> do I want to do this again, or you know? Yeah, because uh, it ends up being a time suck, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. It's just like I'll just do it one more time. It's like no, no, I can, I can do better this right. Next time I can around. do it better this next time. But it, you know, it's it's talking about that opposition, and I'm I'm in chapter four, uh, where you know you were talking about the obstacles. And this is why I love my study Bible, because it kind of takes you through uh, some of what the scriptures mean. So what I'm seeing here uh, in my study Bible, it says believers can expect opposition as they do God's work. Uh, hmm. Unbelievers and evil spiritual forces are always working against God and his people. Uh, and then it says, if you learn to expect this opposition, you won't be halted by it. Move ahead with the work God has planned for you and trust him to show you the way. To overcome the obstacles, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting as they're rebuilding, um, the neighbors start coming around. Yes, uh, verse four of chapter four, he says. Uh, then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. Mm-hmm. They bribe the officials to work against them and frustrate their plans mm-hmm. during their entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. There will well, always be somebody out there who's going to drag you down. Yeah. If you're trying to do God's work, yeah. there's somebody out there who's going to be Eeyore. All right, right. And so you mm-hmm. even get to verse 13 of chapter 4. Yeah. It says, furthermore, the king should know, and this is a letter being written to King Artaxerxes, should know that this city is built and its walls are restored. No more taxes, tribute, or duty will be paid, and eventually the royal revenues will suffer. So the local folks are saying, we're just going to withhold, you know, and yeah. and, and so you, you want this to work? It's not going to work because we're going to shut off the cash. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So then what happens in the story is that uh, you know, the, this ticks off the king, and so he orders mm-hmm. all construction to stop, and it did. It did for a number of years. 
it was so long that it wasn't until the next king, King Darius, came along that things got rolling again. And uh, there's letters back and forth explaining that King Cyrus had made a decree. So King Darius and had his people check all the records, and they found the decree. So then Darius said, make it happen, and he paid for it. And he delivered one of the greatest threats I've ever yeah, here that we can see. He says in verse chapter, this is now chapter 6, verse 11. Okay. Furthermore, I decree that if anyone defies this edict, a beam is to be pulled from their house and they are to be impaled on it. Oh, wow. Well, there's a, there's a penalty fair. And for this crime, their house is to be made wow. a pile of rubble. Oh. May God, who has caused his name to dwell there, overthrow any king or people who lifts a hand to change this decree or to destroy the temple in Jerusalem. I, Darius, have decreed it, and let it be carried out with diligence. (laughs) With diligence. Yeah. So, again, it takes about 20 years for them to rebuild the temple, Mm. and they they start start coming back to it. And then um, verse 16 there of chapter 6, Then the people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the exiles celebrated the dedication of the house of God with joy. For the dedication of this house of God, they offered a hundred bulls and two hundred rams, and you know it was quite, quite a celebration. And so, there's an amazing understanding here. But again, this is just a snapshot, just dropping into the to our earthly timeline of just God's people. And and as we follow through the story, if we would read through, you know, after this, it, it just it ebbs and flows. That God's people become faithful. They exercise due diligence. They they worship God and they remember all that's happened, and then they forget. Okay, so we have made it more than halfway through the book. We're kind of on the downward side of the book, heading toward Nehemiah, and finally in chapter seven, Ezra himself arrives. Right. The main character of the book doesn't arrive until the seventh chapter. I think that's pretty bold. Right. Yeah. So what does Ezra's arrival begin to spark? Well, again, it's, you know, this rebuilding. And so then, you know, we move from chapter seven through the end of the story and and good things are happening. And then Nehemiah comes along and realizes now that the walls around Jerusalem need to be rebuilt. Mm, okay. And, and so, again, that's why we need to see it together. But, again, it's not enough. And I'm glad you pointed that out because when we're thinking about walls, uh, we tend to jump ahead with our brain and think about Nehemiah and the walls of Jerusalem. But we got to remind ourselves we're talking about the walls that surround the temple and the temple grounds itself. Right. Got to do that first. Right. Before the other part happens yeah yeah and then you know through the rest of the book um it really is you know that we see and it tends to be that ezra and nehemiah we use these these books of the scriptures for vision casting Mm. you know a lot of times when it talks about because there's the story of rebuilding the wall how do you do it and you know first you, you know nehemiah's example is we stop and pray and then god gives him a vision of what it's supposed to look like and then you know he gets to the point where he won't come down off the wall right and, you know, yeah. but he also has the opposition. So he's got a trowel in one hand that's put down the mortar and his sword in the other because the guys are coming against him. <laughs> right. Because the neighbors know that, you know, the kingdom of God is being made present on earth with the establishment of the temple. So again, when you just think about the difficulties that we, I think we're sensing, you know, in our, in our culture, you know, I think those thing kind of, same kind of attitudes are there you know, of, of the hostility there is towards Christianity um, and towards our faith. 
And I think that's why, again, to look at these books like Ezra and Nehemiah to remind us that um, the story that we're part of, it, it's, it's, it's still part of that longer story and narrative that God is writing. And part of it has to do with how do we respond to it, mm-hmm. right? How do we, how do we respond to our neighbors and, and the idea of uh, just how do we meet our neighbors where, where we're at? Uh, and I think that's the difficulty that um, many of us still are trying to figure out in this season, realizing that, you know, so many of our buildings, churches have opened back up, but I know in our tribe, uh, the Presbyterian Church, it's, it's, it's been difficult that people have mm-hmm. not returned. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it is we've gotten out of the habit. And then when you just think right. about the fact that, you know, for 50 or 60 years, we had this understanding. I mean, back, you know, when I was a kid, the, the, the choice was in the 70s and 80s is like, you know, where are you going to church? Not if you're going to church. Right, right. And so today we live in a culture where church seems to be, people aren't coming to our buildings. And so as we think about, so again, what heartfelt radio, you know, to sort of make a practical, the idea of taking the word to people uh, in a very practical way around the world. I mean, not just where I tune in on my dial on my car radio, but through Alexa and all sorts of other fun things, Mm -hmm. you know, the gospel becomes present. And I think that's the practical application of why, why do we want to look at this book? Uh, and, and to be reminded too, back to chapter three, you know that that you know those words um, from you know, verse uh, uh, verse ten. You know, after they laid the temple, uh, you know that they they the priests uh, and in their vestments with the trumpet and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, and the cymbals took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by King David of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good, His love towards Israel endures forever. And that's a phrase we hear all through Scripture, yeah. right? Right, especially in the Psalms. Right. Right. Right, and if you even like celebrate the, you know, the, the, the Passover, there's mm-hmm. a, in, if you do the Haggadah, there's a moment there where it, you sort of get stuck like on repeat as sort of you list, list out all that what God has done in bringing the Israelites out of, out of bondage. And it's that constant reminder of the loves, his love towards us endures forever. There's one question, I guess, that's still left in my mind, and I kind of hesitate to ask it, but I'm just going to go for it. You know, we've talked, and you've mentioned too here, Pastor Tom, that this book and the book of Nehemiah have been the subject of a lot of books on leadership on a lot of books on rebuilding, on a lot of books on moving forward, and all of that. Where do some of the people who write some of those books go most wrong, and where do some of the people who write these books go most right? Okay. Uh, Gave you a tough question. I know, I know, but it's just dogging me right now because I'm just thinking – because so many, there are, like Tom said, there are so many leadership books out there. Mm-hmm. And some of them go in a direction that is not, it is extra biblical. Right. Okay. Well, let me try this statement. I mean, I think okay. leaders can't generate a true revival. Mm. No matter what the vision is, there's still going to be, and I think especially now uh, in the season we live in, you know, with all the technology, it's it's just amazing how... It's just amazing that somebody does something amazing, and then there's all this controversy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it is just, it, it, and it goes back to in some ways maybe something that somebody did 15 years ago, 
Yes. And then all of a sudden, and, and I get there's got to be, you know, moral principle and, and there needs to be a high standard. But I think too many times that um, we've got to see that God's the one that brings the revival. And it's about our faithfulness. And again, the thread I would go back to immediately is at the end of the day, Jesus, you know, our, our Heavenly Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they just want our intimacy, you know. Mm-hmm. They don't want our hands necessarily to be doing things. They really want to start first with our hearts. Mm-hmm. And I think too many times we think it's all about, you know, the right ideas. cast, And that's important. Don't get me wrong. True, it is. But it has to be uh, um, grounded in the right understanding. And to realize, too, that it, and when we pray the Lord's Prayer, right, I mean, we know that the kingdom of God is not here. We pray that it will come. Yes. Right? And the tension I've mentioned right. before, my, my first professor at Ashland Seminary, Dr. Jerry Flora, what I learned in that first class was on kingdom theology was this idea of the tension between the already and the not, not yet. yet. Yeah. You know, and I think yeah. that's the thing. We, we want to see things established on the earth. And so I think I, I, that's a hard question, I think, Mark, to, try, to take some time to really unpack it. But I think really the idea is our expectations and our dreams, there's this paradox that we're dealing with broken people. Yes. Right. Right. I have right. a question. Yes. You said that there were three movements in this book. Right. So is one, the first one, the return? So in Ezra 1 through 6, we we have uh, Zerubbabel and Joshua lead the first waves of exiles back from Babylon. Okay. And there's mixed results with that. And then chapters 7 through 10, Ezra attempts a spiritual revival among the re- returning exiles. Again, there's these mixed results. Mm-hmm. And then Nehemiah shows up. And in chapters one through seven, and Nehemiah leads the rebuilding of Jerusalem's walls. And again, there's mixed results. So it's right. not perfect. We, we start out with these ideas. And I think, you know, if I can go back to even the idea of our earlier, your earlier conversation today about your, your encounter yesterday with the governor, right? Right. And, and I, I just applaud the fact that you talked about things that really matter. Mm-hmm. Because at the end yeah. of the day, that's what politics is. It's about civitas and community. And so you didn't talk about his view on this, that, or the other thing, but you did talk to him about, you know, I mean, goodness, baseball. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what does that represent about us as people, you know, and just the joy that comes. And although, you know, when you, you know, Tito, you know, the game two nights ago, it's yeah, he complicated, had, right? He, he had some exaltation language well, right, that but, he used. But even in those moments, we realized that it, it's not perfect. Right. So the umpire is doing what he's supposed to do, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, <laughs> the general managers of both teams... You know, they disagree. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and that's that's the real. I think even that's a great reality check is that you know we're broken, mm-hmm. and even though we have these rules and regulations, it all comes down to my perception, right, and what I see. Amen. And what Tito saw wasn't what the other guy saw. It, yeah, yeah right? and, and and so that I think that's just a great metaphor. And so let me just finish out for Gabe that when we get to the sort of the concluding movements, um, because the first three are sort of parallel, and then. Okay. The the final in Nehemiah eight through ten, Ezra and Nehemiah stage a revival in Jerusalem, and unfortunately we get to Nehemiah eleven and thirteen, and we basically find out that it all falls apart, and that Nehemiah mm-hmm. gets ticked, and he gets disappointed, and it's hmm. like, hmm, does that sound like my life or yours? I mean, when we lead into these things, we have these great expectations, and then. So in chapter ten, it's talking about the people confessing their sins, right? So you're saying after that, it yeah. fell apart again? 11 through 13, yeah. Wow. It, it just goes south. I mean, even the last few verses of chapter uh, 13, just like you can just get a sense of Nehemiah just going, really? I've done all this good hard work. Mm. And, 
<laughs> mm. uh, well, here we are. We have done a study here for about a half an hour, whisking us through Ezra and taking us through a lot of very interesting and, I guess, difficult emotions. Uh, like we've been through the last few years. Yeah, exactly. And so we come to that point of the study where we ask you to pray us into this Wednesday, Tom. I mean, you've left yourself a pretty good uh, task here just to pray us into this Wednesday when you get right down to it. Would you do that for us? I will, and I, and I want to just lean into uh, verse 21 of, okay. of, of Nehemiah chapter 13, where he basically says, Remember me, for this is also my God, and show mercy to me according to your great love. Okay. And so I think to be reminded, yeah. and so Father, as we've spent time looking at your word, to be reminded that in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of all our messiness, you still have, show this great love to us, and our, your love endures forever, as we know in the scriptures. And so mm-hmm. Jesus, we're just grateful for that promise that's true, even though we so miss the mark, whether it's... All the time. Yeah, whether it's God, whether it's the people of, of Ezra, Ezra and Nehemiah's day, or it's our, our, our own lives of trying to figure out what it means and we're all just looking for the easy step. And really what I think, Father, what you want from us is intimacy with you. And if we're walking with you, then that will change how we respond to our life mm. circumstances. It's in those moments that we know. And so right. use your Holy Spirit to equip us. Use your Holy Spirit to guide us. And Holy Spirit, we do pray. And we do release ourselves to you. We do confess our sins and our brokenness. But we're grateful that you're good to forgive us, great to forgive us. And Jesus, for that sacrifice that establishes the kingdom in us as we live it out, even though it's imperfect. And so uh, make us and equip us as your sons and daughters in the day ahead. And we just pray it in your strong name. Amen. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Challenges and obstacles. I'm tired. I, yeah. <laughs> I need a nap, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah, and I love the very last words in, in Nehemiah 13 where he yeah. says, Remember me with favor, my God. You know, that's just such yeah. a powerful reminder, is even, you know, the, where we find ourselves today is, you know, God, show me favor and help me understand my own limitations. And again, that's why we could dive into just a couple verses in, in this great book. But I think to see it in, in the sort of the larger timeline of our lives and to realize that it's it parallels much of the journey that we're on today. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. We've got a few minutes left and I know you've got something coming up that you do want to talk about I do. that people can get involved in. Let's take a quick break. We're going to get the forecast here real quick, and then we'll get right back to the conversation with Pastor Tom Repke in just a moment. Spending a few more minutes with Pastor Tom Rapke from Linden Road Presbyterian Church. Thomas, always good to have you. Always good to be here. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so you've got something coming up here in the next couple of weeks. I do. This is a, a group uh, that I've been involved with for a number of years. Doug Fields, who was the uh, youth pastor at Saddleback Church, um, now has a ministry called Download Youth Ministry, and it's a great equipping tool for churches. 
And uh, on September 24th, there's a, this will be the fourth National Day of Volunteer Youth Ministry Training. I think he needs to shorten it. It's, that's a mouthful. <laughs> yes, it is. But really, it's yeah, a, a number of TED Talks. Uh, it's uh, simulcast, so, uh, but there's a number of churches in the area. We're hosting it um, from 9 to 11.30. And it really is just this idea of how do we meet the needs of our families. And I, I think as we are in this current season, trying to understand our culture, um, I, I think all of us could use some more insight, um, even trying to understand our, our grown children of just mm-hmm. what they're leaning into with, you know, their children, you know, the grandchildren, mm-hmm. uh, not maybe yeah. Emmy so much at this point, but <laughs> it's oh, coming. she's getting there. She's, right, right. She's going on 13 already. Uh, so trainmyvolunteers.com is the website and folks can find a church local to them. And there is a cost, but it's one cost. I, I think it's the price is going up tomorrow. Uh, where it's, I think it's $139. Um, and I've got actually have a code. I know a host, one word that you can get a little bit of a discount, but, uh, it, it says it will be an amazing day. And so I, I strongly encourage if you're interested in the culture and trying to understand how do we better meet the needs of our kids to take a look at this and join, join a church locally. And so, okay. Thank you. And again, if people want to find out more about that and find out what churches might be close to them, trainmyvolunteers.com. All right. One word. So, Thomas, thank you. Thanks, Mark and Gabe. Always yeah. a blessing. And we also, we, we must acknowledge uh, Coffee Cake Ministry is yes. uh, alive and well. And uh, we got a message from Melinda, Tom's, Pastor Tom's wife. And she said, don't eat too many donuts. I know. Because Coffee Cake Ministry I is know. in effect. So we hear you, Melinda. You know, too late for Mark Zimmerman. I know. <laughs> when you're, you, you have the collision of Coffee Cake Ministry and Donut Ministry in the same week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's very week, hard. Right? That's, yeah. that's tough. Yeah, so good stuff. All the best to you and Melinda. All the best to you all. And thanks. Keep doing, uh, bringing the kingdom. Thank all you right. So much. And we will see you next month for Harvest Time. Yeah, looking forward to that. That's going to be, it's so cool. All right. Not only here by the microphone, but you'll be able to talk to Thomas on the uh, telephone. Yes. As well. Yeah, I got to get that worked up with Denise. Mm -hmm. Music from Allison Durham Spear on 91.9 Heartfelt Radio. Good morning. It's Mornings with Mark and Gabe.